Welcome, listeners, to Five Questions, a critical mass for the visual arts podcast in which we ask five questions of our interviewees aimed at positioning and contextualizing their respective bodies of work within the St. Louis art world. This time, we're talking with Occupy Vacancies, Brianna McIntyre and Andre Fakula. Andre Fakula and Brianna McIntyre are creative professionals who are passionate about reviving the North Side and keeping the spirit of St. Louis alive. As black artists with roots in St. Louis City and County, they are passionate about fellow natives returning home to contribute back to the city that raised them. Both artists attended the School of the Art Institute of Chicago and bonded over their deep ties to St. Louis. Each of their creative practices converges at the intersection of art design and architecture. The synergy of their combined practices within the scope of Occupy Vacancy promotes collaboration between art, design, engineering, community engagement, and neighborhood development. It is their hope that through this artistic intervention, they can inspire the natives who stayed, those who left, and individuals from afar to fall in love with St. Louis and celebrate the beauty of the city. Occupy Vacancy uses city-owned lots to install public art with the aim to acknowledge the collective loss of St. Louis's neighborhoods. All right. So I'm here with Andre and Brianna. Thank you guys for joining us. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having us. us. And so the first question we always ask artists is, why art? What drives you to create? Sure. I feel like art is just a part of me. Art gives me the opportunity to express things that I don't get to express as forwardly in my professional life. Yeah. So um, having the space to do that through art definitely feeds me. I feel like I'm not whole if I'm not making art. So mm-hmm. maybe that's the the artistic soul in me. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think for me, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche to say, but I really feel like art saved my life at one point um, where I was like really lost and I was discovering my own value and had to kind of start over in some ways. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, for so long I was trying to be someone else, someone who I thought my family would be proud of. And then I eventually just kind of said, fuck it. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) And I remember, you know, dropping out of school, college, (laughs) and getting canvases and like painting in my sister's living room to just like find something that gave me joy again. And I was like, oh my God, I actually can do this. (laughs) Yeah. So I, um, and it just kind of the rest, you know, this history. Good for you. What, what were you going to do before? Before you? So started? I went to University of Maryland College Park, yeah. and I was studying political uh, science and international relations and development. Mm. So I was, you know, I was really excited by my studies, but I wasn't excited about the environment and the people I was interacting with. Sure. And um, I felt like I couldn't be my whole self. Yeah. And I was looking for a space to do that, and art kind of found me in that way. That's, that's awesome. So the next question we usually ask people just generally is like, where should your work live and where does it live? And perhaps you'd like to, I ran across um, on your website, this idea of St. Louis's uh, ritualistic response to location. I thought that was really interesting. Do you guys just want to talk a little bit about like where your work ends up, how it ends up there, that sort of thing? Sure. Sure. I think through the scope of Occupy Vacancy and the work that we're doing now is very specific to St. Louis. So um, being St. Louis artists, being people who are from here, have left and come back to St. Louis and are kind of envisioning this new future of St. Louis. For now, our work is like open for everyone to see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. At least the piece that we recently um, installed last summer 
you can see it 24 hours a day it's free and open for anyone to walk up to it and um i guess i'll speak to the ritualistic response to location but also maybe this ritualistic philosophy of st louis and access to art if you're not from here you may not know that st louis um, a lot of the art museums and just historical experiences are free you know you can go to slam for free you can go to the science center for free there are tons of um you know just works in the city that i feel like the the city really values you know access to art so i feel like in our initiative we're really trying to stay in parallel with that and and support that yeah just to continue with what you're saying i can speak a little bit from my own perspective and then collectively from our perspective so from my own perspective my practice intersects a lot with art and design. Um, I've done a lot of furniture design, um, interior spaces as well, but also making fine art. And I've always just really been inspired by human interaction with those pieces. And I feel like the culmination of like my skills and then you being also a civil engineer, like humans are kind of at the forefront of what we're, of who we're thinking about. And and again, just making it accessible. I We also were, at the height of the pandemic when we kind of came to this idea mm-hmm. and we liked the idea of creating something that was open and accessible and safe mm-hmm. and something that would just like touch people's lives even though it's kind of scary sometimes to think about <laughs> yeah. something being like literally next to someone's house <laughs> right. um, so I think if anything it's helped us create like a lot of respect for the mm-hmm. initiative that we're doing and just trying to approach that with respect for who's going to interact with it first Mm -hmm. yeah so the next question is just what do you want for st louis and its people and i feel like you guys have already kind of started talking about that yeah Yeah. (laughs) st louis and its people um st louis has so much rich history and i feel like being from st louis sometimes i didn't know that history it's been great leaving the city and coming back and feeling like i'm relearning my city you know um, which is an awesome and amazing feeling I think one of the things would be for the people of St. Louis to just get a voice I feel like St. Louis in some ways is a very hidden city like I went to school on the East Coast, you know, people up there are like, yeah, St. Louis is the South. I'm like, it's the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) There's Southern influence, but like, it's the Midwest. There are lots of other cities that are, you know, below um, St. Louis. And in that sense, you know, just getting eyes on St. Louis. There's so many great things here. The architecture of the city. I meet people from other places and they're like, oh yeah, I know from someone from St. Louis. They're always great people. I'm like, hell yeah, there's good people here. (laughs) You know? Um, So I would say that to start off, you know, just wanting the people of St. Louis to have a voice on a more national, international scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And because we've had that before, you know, Mm -hmm. it was once a city where that didn't, that wasn't questioned. But now with, you know, urban decline and then the steady bleed of our population in St. Louis, um, its relevancy has gone down, (laughs) teeter-totter, whatever you want to say. But I think for me, Something I always remember when I would come back to visit St. Louis and I would drive around, I would see a lot of places changing that were once very connected to my childhood experiences. And I felt like I was seeing them change, but I wasn't seeing the people that would want to interact with these spaces. I would like to see just more inclusion of voices, I think, within the growth of St. Louis. You know, um, 
there's always one voice that tends to just be louder than others and it's typically the one with bigger pockets because <laughs> you know they can mm -hmm. afford that platform but I think you know St. Louis has an opportunity to flip the script I mean we don't have to follow the same road and path that other cities have kind of followed into in, in the direction of developing its spaces and revitalizing these spaces why does revitalization have to mean that certain people are removed or certain histories aren't talked about you know yeah. something i wish i had more growing up is just learning more about the history of st louis because again mm -hmm. this process has helped us dig through that and turn over stones and and yeah sometimes if i feel like a tourist in my city again but that's also a really encouraging thing as well and you know this is the first time in a long time where i i, I feel sparks of hope and joy surrounding my home I feel like I left St. Louis kind of with like trauma surrounding it and I never really thought that I would come back. But now that I'm here, I think it's very much in line with my story, especially like healing. I don't think it's productive or fruitful to look, go forward and never look back in a way that's like, especially if it's something that you're afraid to do. If you're afraid to look back, you know, then you're letting that fear drive you. So I think it's been really wonderful to just contribute in that way. and. And what St. Louis needs, I mean, it needs so much. <laughs> um, we need a rail system. We need, great, we need public transportation. I mean, we have great investment in the arts. It could be more. I think um, just we just need more of that because I think St. Louisans are incredibly creative, incredibly rich, not just then but now. Mm -hmm. And if we can encourage and invest in young people, then they can invest back into their city and they can stay longer. And then those seeds can really germinate and then grow and then produce fruit. So I think just having more long-term goals for how we're investing in our young, our youth, yeah, it's really important. Yeah. And just, this isn't one of the questions, but to build on that before the podcast started, we were talking about some of the strategies that you all use to get, to get control of like certain tracts of land and get some kind of some capital go in there. I mean, imagine if so many young people did the same thing, mm -hmm. do the same thing. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. So what's something you wish that someone would ask you about your work that maybe you don't get asked enough? Hmm. We had an answer to yeah, that. Well, we, we were talking about this question. We were like, <laughs> like hmm, what do we really want someone to ask us? I think one of them might be like why public art and how is this initiative different? Mm -hmm. Okay. Sure. And my answer to that would be one, we are contributing or really trying to present a framework for just developing, I guess, through the lens of an artist. Yeah. Like we're really trying to think community first. Mm -hmm. um, we spent a whole year talking to different community partners, attending different community meetings, getting tight with our aldermen um, or the aldermen to where we have, um, where the project is installed and other kind of arts leaders around the city to then be able to officially kind of present this idea mm -hmm. in a way that um, didn't feel like the neighborhood didn't have ownership of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that's really important to us as we're just moving with the piece that we've done, we did last summer and moving forward with the with our initiative is really making sure that the community has a stake. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's for them first. Yeah. Um, we never wanted to 
feel like we've come in and just kind of placed this piece of art, which honestly happens. We were kind of talking about this earlier, how that happens a lot and how artists are kind of the tools tools are like um I shouldn't say tools like the lab rats yeah. <laughs> you know for like development in new yeah. spaces and right. not being able to have you know ownership of those spaces True. yeah um, and if I may cut in I mean just to piggyback on that I feel like artists are many times used as a catalyst to kind of show oh this neighborhood is up and coming time to swoop in while you can you know mm-hmm. and but they rarely have ownership of that or real direction and where that kind of leads, um, including the people who were there first. So again, just like talking about developing spaces from the lens and perspective of an artist. I remember one of the, um, the residents, was it, what was her name? I think she lived in the, the like one of the oldest families that lived on the block. Oh, yeah. Was, I don't. Maybe we shouldn't say her name. Okay, we'll, we'll keep it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep it, yeah. But, um, but she kind of grew towards the idea of these lots being developed as something other than a home because there were some homes developed on that lot mm-hmm. or on that block. And their starting price, initially, because they hadn't sold yet, <laughs> was like $560,000. Yeah. Which is totally over developing for that area and it's it kind of felt like what are you trying to do right, you know? right. and then she's kind of like yeah develop them so people can't like swoop in get these lots and put another ugly house on the block yeah because <laughs> she was yeah. like she did she didn't feel connected to that hmm. that's his particular development um and she liked the idea of kind of slow like slow development uh-huh. um and i think we've been trying to accomplish that you know just with like the slow development of these lots. I mean, also a lot of it is about like getting the money together in order to do that. Yeah. But also it's been about talking to neighbors and asking them what is important to you. And again, what comes up and over and over again is just how are the kids going to benefit from this? So thinking about, you know, can this be a meditative space? It'll definitely be a green space eventually and, and very lush in, you know, in our, in our goals. Um, and then as well as, you know, how, I don't know, like, can we just like grab some kids and some canvases and like paint out there? You know, just something as simple as that can really change, you know, the trajectory of a, a child's life. You yeah. know, I don't know where I would be if my eighth grade teacher didn't believe in me and my like art skills. Because uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. she like that class helped remind me. I was like, oh, yeah, I actually do. I'm actually pretty good at art. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, so. it's so funny. I feel like so many of us have stories like that. Like I have a, I have a sophomore year English teacher. Same thing. Wow. He was like, wow. you're a good writer. And it's just like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Um, so I guess the last thing is just, what are you all building towards? Do you want, you care to reveal that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I feel like when we started Occupy Vacancy, we really just wanted to put up some beautiful sculptures. Mm-hmm. And now just with the way we've been able to just throw ourselves into the community, how we've been embraced by, you know, just people in St. Louis, like friends, family, new acquaintances, whatever, you know, like it's really just affirmed, I guess, what we're doing. Yeah. And um, in that sense, really thinking about how can we create that same feeling for other artists. Mm -hmm. So I think um, one 
a potential idea would be like a fellowship or a residency where other artists could do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, we all know that there is no lack of vacancy (laughs) (laughs) and vacant lots in St. Louis. So, um, no, it would be awesome for us to be the framework or kind of be a catalyst towards other artists being able to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Whether that be, you know, through sculpture, whether that be through urban gardening, um, whether that be through painting, whatever, but just being able to have these type of interventions um, that are art-centric on these vacant lots um, that other people can kind of jump into. Yeah, very cool. Absolutely. I think a key component, which would be really great about creating a residency or some kind of fellowship around this initiative is to also inspire and um, facilitate other people's work, but also thinking about sustainability of these pieces. Mm. How are we going to maintain them and make sure that, mm-hmm. you know, do are we going to have to mow the lawns ourselves or is there going to be money and funding around that so that people can come in and kind of share ownership? I think that would actually be the better solution mm-hmm. if there was a way to invite people. And I mean, if I'm going to dream big here and talk about what we really want, you know, we want to build the space where someone could have a residency. I mean, I'm a designer. He's an engineer. We're thinking about what is a solution for a housing prototype that is accessible and maybe something that could be replicated so that we don't try to fix a problem with half a million dollar homes. Yeah. And... I think that could be really beautiful too because those could kind of like kill two birds with one stone. We could be creating space for artists to engage the community. I mean, this is a subject matter that isn't, you know, exclusive to St. Louis. We all have these issues um, throughout the U.S. Um, It just feels very severe here because it is. But um, it could be a great way to engage that history, engage your own artwork and kind of push that create something public facing and then also contribute to the the maintenance of the land and having that relationship with the community and i think you know long term that's that's where we're headed i think so that's, i know yeah i mean i'm i'm gonna to add some more <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like just speaking towards you know building and, and housing and architecture like i think that brie and i have this very kind of synergistic kind of mesh in terms of our relationships to materials mm-hmm. and um you know Bree studied materials for many many years and know so much <laughs> and um i'm coming in from like materials very much through the lens of an engineer and sustainability mm-hmm. and um thinking of being from st louis thinking about how we love the architecture and just the beauty of the historic architecture here like how do we contribute to like a a new architecture for St. Louis that is not like a cookie cutter whatever development that someone sees in here, Nashville, like Virginia, whatever, Montana. McMansions you know? or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, whatever cookie cutter developer that comes through and makes the same home over and over. Um I think both of us are really into this ideal of like vernacular architecture. Yes. And like what does that mean for <laughs> for St. Louis and um, seeing that that is something that, I mean, I feel that we're losing a bit 
And sometimes that's because people need housing quickly. Sure. But also it's like, okay, you visit places of the world to like observe their architecture. Okay, how do we like have that same footprint or have that same type of like style, I guess, but think about that in a new way that's also contributing to like healthy living, Mm -hmm. you know, in the city. So Yeah. And democratizing beauty. Exactly. Exactly. Just because everyone should have access to a beautiful space that promotes a healthy and productive lifestyle. So that's what we want to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, that's amazing. I love that you guys uh, were talking about vernacular architecture because I'm like the house that we're recording in right now is this weird little I've tried to figure out like what actual style it is, but it's definitely like a vernacular mm-hmm. kind of like English cottage. It's a tutor. Mm-hmm. It's a tutor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like St. Louis has that, you know, so much. There's so much brick. There's a very specific aesthetic to mm-hmm. St. Louis architecture, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of opportunity to create some kind of new vernacular or an evolution of the vernacular that exists that is our own. Yes, I think that's Absolutely. awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for your work, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time. Thank, thank you, you for so having much. us. <laughs> yeah. Five Questions is a program by Critical Mass for Visual Arts, a nonprofit visual arts collaborative dedicated to promoting, enhancing, and initiating contemporary visual art in St. Louis region. You can get it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us at criticalmassart.org slash five questions, on Twitter at criticalmassstl, or on Instagram at criticalmassart. You can find Occupy Vacancy at occupyvacancy.com. This episode was with Brianna McIntyre and Andre Fakul. And me, your host, Joe Colburn, was edited by Sarah Hammond and produced by Brett Williams.